Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Okay, I want to start with an email question because, you know, I, I, I get this type of question a lot. This comes from Joe in Denton. He wants to redo a bathroom. And he wants to know what kind of contractor does he need? A good one that is honest and affordable and can do the job at a reasonable price. Here's the problem, people. The good ones are going to charge more. And here's why. Good contractors have an office. They have insurance. They have insurance for their employees. Uh, They know what they're doing and they have to charge enough so that if something happens, there's funds there to take care of it. Yes, you can typically find somebody who will do it cheap, but you got a cheap contractor then. You've got somebody who's not probably carrying all the insurance they should. And by that, I mean, do they have general liability? Do they have workers' comp? Uh, On their employees, are they carrying health insurance? All of these items are very expensive. And if they're not carrying them, they obviously are going to be cheaper than the guy who is. And typically the contractors who are carrying all this stuff, let's let's be straight up and honest, they are going to be better simply because they've probably got more experience. They've been in business long enough to know these are the items you've got to have in order to properly do a job and be a real business. Somebody working out of their pickup truck, and I'm going to hurt some feelings now, somebody who doesn't have an office and only works out of their pickup truck is not a real contractor. Yes, they do contracting and they do projects, but are they really setting up their business to be around in the future? Somebody who's got a, a regular office, a clientele list, and all that stuff is setting their business up to be around in the future. And wouldn't you rather deal with them? So if you're looking for a contract, those are the criteria you need to be taking a look at. Uh, just just my two cents worth on it. Hello, Alex. I'm installing a breeze block wall around my um, air conditioning unit, and I want to know the best way to secure it. Uh, Well, you're using the blocks that have just the big openings, right? Exactly. Yes, sir. Yeah. You typically got to have a base down, a concrete base that you come up with and use mortar in between. They make a wire... uh, that should go in between every, I think it's third level layer okay. of uh, of uh, blocks in order to secure it tighter. And, and one of the things you want to make sure of is you keep that a pretty good distance away from the air conditioning unit. Uh, because you don't want anything that obstructs the airflow of the AC unit. Okay. But you other than that, they're, they're pretty simple. Holes into the concrete or anything like that should be fine. No, you you shouldn't have to, especially if you're going to do three sides of it. Excellent. Because they, they'll they'll uh, you know you have to weave your courses one over the other in order to uh, 
tie it all together on the corners, but that's where the strength will come in. Okay. Outstanding. I appreciate your help. You bet. Take care, Alex. Thank you. Yeah, and anytime you're doing something around the outside AC unit, make sure you don't obstruct the airflow at all because that will make it less efficient. So you got to keep stuff a pretty good distance away. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Maureen, how can I help you? Good afternoon. How are you doing? Wonderful. How about you? Oh, just fine in frog hair. Hey, I've got a... A kind of a what-would-you-do sort of question. The contractor that built our house, when they put the laundry room in, they ran the vent for the gas dryer straight up through the, through the roof. And it's a, one of these McMansions with a pretty high – it's a long run. Right. And so we've had, you know, when it's cold out, when it's warm out, stuff ends up kind of gooped up right up there at the vent. The vent gets obstructed with, you know, little bits of um, lint and whatever. And what I was hoping to do was figure out a way to run this out the side of the house. The problem, as I see it, is the, the, it's on a side wall, not on an outside wall. So I need to run through all these studs that are probably big enough to put a dryer vent hole through. Do you have any other ideas of how you might vent this out the side rather than all the way up through the ceiling? You got no choice. You've got to go up through the ceiling, or you got to fur your walls out along Farther the path out. that you're. So basically yeah, rebuild you, you, the wall to do yep, it. Yep, exactly. And lose about six inches or whatever the circumference of that pipe or the diameter of that pipe is. Yep. Oh, I was hoping you had a better now, solution. <laughs> now here's the. Uh, well, I'm going to give you a better solution then. Okay. Uh, they actually make a booster fan for this type of situation and it's a box that you would hook up in the attic and okay. it basically takes the the air that comes into it and then repressurizes it to finish pushing it on out okay yeah that might help i'm just getting tired of having to go up there and clear it at the roof line and it's a pretty you know deep pitch so well all all dryer vents are supposed to be uh, cleaned at least once a year. None of us do it, but we're supposed to. Uh, it's one of the big, big factors of causing fires in houses is lint buildup in the uh, lines, you know, the, the exhaust oh, I'm lines. Aware of, uh, yes, absolutely aware of that. That's why I'd like to go out the side so it isn't a big event to clean it. <laughs> well, if you, the, the best way that I would recommend is if it's easier access into your attic, you can actually have a spot in the attic where you can pull it apart, clean it top, clean it bottom, and you're done. Mm. What take the pipe apart and do it? Yep. Yeah, you can okay. put it. You can put a quick disconnect in there that makes it real easy to just pull one piece out so that you can run the cleaning rod up top and run it straight down, and and you've got it. Yeah, this is one you can't go without doing it because it cools so much in cold weather that anything yep. that gets up there that's damp ends up making little cementy wads up at the top. Yeah. And it's dang it gets dangerous. So it has to be done and I was like, This is a pain in the butt. Let's yep. move it. <laughs> yeah. All now, right, why you. why can't you take it and lay it down and take it across the the attic floor and out the side that way? 
well, you'd still have the same problem. You'd have to be going up through a you know fourteen foot ceiling and then across. So it, it probably wouldn't be worth the yeah the change to to you know punch out brick at that level. But if I could punch it out, you know, or I walk around the outside of the house and do it, yeah. Okay. But I, you know, I, I really, it's not worth throwing the wall out again. Yep, gotcha. The cabinets on the wall and everything, and I, you know, and losing the space in there, all of that is not worth it. But I thought maybe you knew a product or something. Yep. Nope. Thank the booster you fans help. it. You bet. Take care. All right. Bye. Ah, uh, yeah, and that that is uh, one of those things. You and I'm in all seriousness, the vent should be cleaned annually. We have an electric. 1996 2000 square foot double wide with cathedral ceilings no attic insulation a new metal roof and soon to have double pane vinyl windows the ac unit is on its last legs and we're betting the original electric heating unit is as well we've been getting estimates on having a new heating and cooling unit installed and some of the estimates include a heat pump instead of an electric heating unit considering the snow and ice we get my question is would a heat pump be adequate during our winters during winter we normally set the thermostat at 66 to 68 during the day bumping it up to 70 or so at night we supplement the heater with the fireplace we're not too concerned with energy savings although it would be nice we just want to make sure the unit will put out enough heat well and I I picked to, to use this one because I think we need to understand what the heat pump does. You know, if you go back to the original heat pumps, yeah, they didn't do such a great job. Uh, they'd get down, once you got down to the mid-30s, you started struggling with them. But the modern heat pumps, they actually go down into colder weather and still produce heat. But the thing that most people, I guess, don't realize is you still have your strip heats. And that's what electric heat systems are, is strip heat. You still have that on these systems as a backup. So say we had some big fluke and the, the weather went down to zero. You're still going to have heat. The heat pump would be clicked off and the strip heats would come on. On your thermostat, it sometimes is labeled as emergency heat. But all, all that is, like I said, is going and picking up the strip heat. So if you're at all considering going with a heat pump, don't be concerned about how cold it gets because you can simply flip over to the other way. But your energy savings on a heat pump versus regular heat, it only uses about a third of the power. And if you've ever had all-electric heat, you'll know how expensive that can be. On my own home, it would run me $600 a month for the electric bill. When I bought the house, when I changed out my AC system and I put in a heat pump, it dropped it to 200 It makes that big a difference. So by all means, if you're considering uh, a new system and you're trying to debate between having the heat pump and not having it, I would definitely tell you, get the heat pump if you're in the North Texas area. Now, if you're down in South Texas, no. You don't use the heat enough down there to justify having the heat pump expense. 
because it does cost more for the unit up front because you still have the heat strip. You just had the added benefit of the heat pump. And a heat pump is nothing more than reversing the compressor outside to where when you're air conditioning, you're basically drawing the heat from the house and dispensing it outside. When you reverse it, you're drawing warm air from outside. And yes, even when it's 32 degrees out, there's still warm air. And my old uh, science teacher who sent me to the dean for telling him he was full of it, <clears throat> I did learn that. <laughs> there's still heat there. And so that's what the heat pump does is draw that little bit of heat out. So, yes, it is worth the money. All right, when we left, I was talking with Roger and talking about remodeling a bathroom, what tub to use and tub surrounds and things like that. And, Roger, here's the, here's the thing. The newer um, synthetic tubs, they're actually fairly easy to put in, but so are the metal ones. Um, I personally still like the metal tubs. And if you want to go with a really high-end tub, they make the metal tubs uh, with uh, cast, and they can have even insulation on them, so they hold the temperature really well. So do some of the synthetic tubs. The difference comes in the cleaning of them. you got to be very careful with the synthetic tubs in that they scratch easily, and they don't tend to last as many years as the metal tubs do. The synthetic tubs will crack over time, where the metal tub, unless you chip that finish, it's there to stay forever. So it's really going to depend on the look that you're going for, size of tub. You know, the advantage of some of the synthetic tubs, you can get a nice deep tub. You can get it with jets on it and all that kind of stuff, where the metal tubs, they're, they're pretty much just a standard tub, and, and that's it. Okay. One question I have, uh, as far as design, I'd like to put the tile along the front, the exposed part as what that goes around behind it. So okay. does that come into play when you're deciding between the synthetic or metal? Uh, they actually make them available in both types of tubs, but truthfully, when you start doing that to it, the synthetic ones look better then. Okay. Is, is there any separate special secrets to doing that, or is it just I don't need to, I've never done that. It just looks like it might look a lot nicer. So There's no special secrets. I mean, you, you basically build a platform that the tub will drop into. The whole key, though, if you're going to drop a, a tub into something like that, you got to get the elevation exactly right and have support underneath the tub the way the instructions call for it because otherwise you will mess up the tub. But it, it's very simple to install. If you go with a jetted tub or anything like that, if you put that front panel on it, make sure you do something that's removable in case it ever has to be worked on. Okay. Okay. Good advice there. Uh, as far as the tub surround, I know there's a lot of new man-made materials. A lot of those even, though, require going over a backer board, a concrete backer board. Okay. Uh, for me, uh, is this going to be a shower-tub combination or just tub? It will. It's shower-tub. Okay. Uh, I personally would just go with a concrete backer board and be done with it. Okay. Okay. So that, that just works better. Okay. The other ones just look so simple. I think they're pretty expensive compared to the other board, but they look Yeah, very and they're not, they're not quite easy. as simple as they make them look on the, okay. on the video either. <laughs> sure. I imagine that's true. Okay. 
Okay. Well, that's exactly what I was looking for. I do appreciate your help, Jim. You bet, Roger. Take care. Hey, one, one more thing. Yeah. When you're doing your remodeling, the one thing that gets left out a lot of times is access to the waste and overflow, you know, the uh, where the tub hooks up to the drain line underneath. Right. Put an access panel for that. Will do. Yeah, it's up upstairs, and I've already have had to cut that through a ceiling to yep. get to it. So, yep. Good advice. Yes. Okay. All righty. Take care. Thanks. Thank you. Ruben, how are you today? I'm doing well, and yourself? Just fine. How can I help you? Well, I got a question about priming drywall. Is it necessary? Yes. Or should you just use a paint? Now, primer is typically just a paint. It's just a lower paint. And what it does is it soaks in, seals it up, so that when you put your second coat of paint, uh, it stays more even coating and covers better. But, yes, it is a necessary evil. All right. And a primer on the area, like an aqua defense in a in a shower, got the cement board up and the, the joints have all been, uh, you know, the mud put in there. Uh-huh. Should I use the aqua defense type stuff that uh, builds the, the uh, rubbery layer around the shower? And you already used a concrete backer board, or did you use? Yes, I did. If you used a concrete backer board, you really don't need to. Okay, perfect. Okie doke. Yeah, Thank the, you very much. If you had used sheetrock or something, then I would have said, yeah, you go go. Please go ahead and use that. But with a concrete backer board, that's the whole purpose of it. So okay. good. Uh, you uh, take care and have a great weekend. I'll you as well. Thank you. Bye. And again, 713-212-5874 or 866-937-0003. And I'll see what I can do to help you out here on Texas Home Improvement. And, you know, when it comes to redoing bathrooms, your builders, they're horrible about using sheetrock in the showers and tub surrounds. When you redo it, go with a concrete backer board. It ought to be code everywhere, but it's not. But... The sheetrock is moisture resistant, not waterproof. Concrete backer board doesn't disintegrate with water. That's why you want to use it. Now, you typically are going to have a vapor barrier behind it, but nonetheless, you're great shape if you use a concrete backer board. This question came in actually a week ago from Ron in Richmond. And he says, my wife smells an odor in our utility room. I don't smell anything. The room is small. I have put bleach down the outflow pipe of the washer. Last night, we ran the washer without clothes and added one cup of vinegar. The water appears to be running out of the washer to the drain. Is there something else that can we can check? Or do you have any idea what could be causing the smell? Want to keep the wife happy. Enjoy your show, Ron. Ron, you know, this is a great example of why I, I like to have people call in because the first question I would ask here is, is this a front-load washing machine? Because if it is, if you keep the door closed, a lot of the washing machines will develop an odor inside. So when you open the door, it actually stinks kind of bad, and 
that odor can get on your clothes as well when it's washing. So the, the trick on that is to just keep the door ajar so that things dry out and you don't have that odor problem. Uh, other things that could be causing it is, yes, you could be getting sewer gas coming up through the pipe, even though the water's flowing properly, if where there's a break in the P-trap down below, then the sewer gas can still come in. So it could be either one of those two items. Uh, again, if it's a front load, that's where I would start. But the sewer gas, you know, depending on the age of the home, if it's an older house prior to 1970, has cast iron pipes, very likely you have a busted pipe underneath or one that's deteriorated and got a hole in it and it's no longer holding water which allows the sewer gas to come up. Alright we're gonna head over to uh, Sweeney, Texas from Stephen comes a question. House was built around 1976 standard floating slab a large amount of moisture was observed on the slab throughout the house while painting with windows and doors open and air conditioning off. The humidity was pretty high on this day. Planning to install new porcelain tile and laminate and want to know what needs to be done to address the situation. Old laminate and carpet and pad had already been removed several days prior, but notice mildew on the old flooring. Have not seen the moisture at times when the air conditioning was in use. Well, the main reason you don't see it when the air conditioner is in use, it's a dehumidifier. Uh, in other words, the air conditioner is taking the moisture out of the air. Now, for tile, this is not quite as critical, uh, but the, even the tile can have mildew under it. But for laminates and all the other types of floors that you were talking about, uh, what I would really suggest you do is do a moisture check on the foundation itself, especially with all the rains we've been having this year. The grounds are saturated, moisture's coming up through the concrete in all kinds of places. And so if you want to check it yourself, when you've got everything up like that, just cut a one-foot square piece of plastic and use a clear plastic. Tape it down. You can use duct tape. You can blue, use blue painter's tape. It doesn't matter. But tape it down to the floor and leave it sit for 24 hours. If you develop moisture underneath it, you got to address a moisture issue coming up through the concrete. If you don't develop moisture under it, then you don't have anything to worry about. I would do only do this test when you're running the air conditioner and have had the air conditioner going for a day or two. Because if you do it when it's, it's you know off, I can guarantee you're going to have moisture coming up. So again, the air conditioner takes the humidity out of the air. So uh, pop that test. Now, they do make sealers that you can put on the concrete, things like that. But a lot's going to depend on how much moisture is in the concrete to seal it. And your flooring installer should be able to look at whatever flooring you're putting in and follow the recommendations of that manufacturer. You don't want to just do something on your own without checking what the manufacturer recommendation is. And as far as wood floors, if you got a glue down wood floor that you're thinking about putting in and you got moisture coming through the concrete, don't do it. Guaranteed you'll have a problem. 7133. By the way, if you want a wood floor and you had that moisture issue, 
you address the moisture you put in a floating wood floor that has a vapor barrier under it after sealing the concrete and your floor is double protected and yes you can get away with a floating wood floor but not a glue down the heater is five years old as the plumber who installed our water softener said the hardest water he had ever seen dollars to donuts the coils are coated with sediment I first thought was CLR but maybe vinegar would be better any suggestion would be appreciated good radio program thank you well you're right don't put CLR in your water heater you can put vinegar in there drain it out uh, you know flush it out a little bit put some vinegar in there with the with the water let it sit for like an hour and then flush it out real good in other words drain everything out fill it flush it and until you make sure you got all the vinegar out and then you can fire it up again but let's be real here if you put a water softener on it's actually gonna help clean all that stuff up over time anyways and I probably if it was my house I'll, re I'll rephrase this I can tell you if it was my house I wouldn't bother I would just put my water softener in and let it take care of it. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.